Hello and welcome to Time Out with Vanda. My name is Luca Vandersloos, and since becoming a magician, memory expert, and documentary guru, I've decided to share my expertise with you to help you survive ISO boredom. In this episode, I'll be reviewing a documentary series that you'll be binging all night. Some tests last five days. Theirs lasted two years. An interview with an award-winning film producer and recent author. Because he then went to Hollywood and became a star. So that's probably the most famous person. I'll also be teaching you a card trick that will leave your friends amazed. It's a simple card trick to learn and teach. An interesting interview with not one, but two different teenage perspectives on isolation. The best brain foods to give you focus and clarity. Also, a simple strategy to impress new people. And finally, there's a reward for sticking with me to the end with a bonus segment. Let's get straight into it. Are you looking for a new addictive TV series? Because in this entertainment timeout, I'll review a surprisingly gripping documentary series that takes you behind the scenes of one of the biggest sports scandals of the decade. The documentary I'm reviewing is called The Test, a new era for Australia's cricket. It has eight tense, action-packed episodes ranging from 50 to 60 minutes. The Test has behind-the-scenes footage and access from after the sandpaper scandal in 2018. A team in repair following a ball tampering scandal that led to the worst cricket crisis in Australia's history. It covers 16 months during which the team faces public humiliation, criticism and embarrassment. Some tests last five days. Theirs lasted two years. Reputation broken. Character questioned. All eyes were on them, waiting for them to slip. It includes the Australian cricket team's rebuild and challenges faced. Are you here to restore Australia's reputation? I think we all are. Just make the next delivery the most important thing of your life. Because at that point, nothing else matters. Through to the end of the Ashes triumph in October 2019. The test was unscripted and used some great raw footage to really get the feeling around the group. It has insights into the mental state of the players, never seen before footage of the team, and personal interviews with all the Australian cricket players, commentators and coaches. I highly recommend you watch the test documentary because it's cricket like you've never seen before. It's available on Amazon Prime. If you don't have an account, the first week is free. You can see the official trailer on Cricket Australia's YouTube channel. Want to learn the key stages of making a film or a book? Well, in this family interview timeout, I chat with my uncle about some of his recent achievements, life lessons and career highlights. (music) 
He used to play in a rock and roll band at school, even though he was tone deaf. He can juggle three eggs while reciting lines from Macbeth and was in the front row when St Kilda won their only premiership. Please welcome former Scotch Collegian of the class of 69, first 11 captain, all the way from Gold Coast, Chris Fitchett. Hello, Luca. It's good to talk to you. Since leaving Scotch, you've won an AFI award. How'd you win it and what'd you win it for? All right, it was a film I made in 1980 called Blood Money. It was um, it was not quite feature length. Feature length is about 90 minutes, but it wasn't a short film either. It was a what's called a telly movie, so it ended up showing on um, Channel 10. Oh yeah. But but the film won a um, AFI award, which is an Australian Film Institute award. Um, and I was the writer and director. How long did it take to make the movie? Um, originally, it was uh, two-week um, filming, and then we shot it weekends. But it took about well, eight months from the start to doing all the editing, putting in the music, doing the titles, doing all that sort of thing. So about eight, eight months, but it was worth it because it made a lot of money. <laughs> That's a terrific effort to win that award, Chris. I'm learning so many things about you I didn't even know. Yep. Who is the most famous person you've met on the film industry? That's a really good question. Um, do you know Russell Crowe? I've heard the name before, but I'm not really familiar. All right, what about Hugh Jackman? I've definitely heard of Hugh Jackman, yes. I've only met him and I said hello and he said hello to me and then he went and shook hands with someone else. But uh, Russell Crowe has won an Academy Award. He was in Gladiator. Oh, yeah. Um, and he was Maximus, whatever his name was. <laughs> <laughs> um, and he and I worked together on a project. Um, wow. Never got made, but we were working on the script together. So I... I um, met him a few times and I had lots of conversations with him on the phone and it was just before he became a big star because he then went to Hollywood and became a star. So that's probably the most famous person and the yeah. nice thing is he kept, he kept on calling me mate. That sounds like a memory you won't ever forget, Chris. It must have been an honour for Russell Crowe to meet you. You've recently self-published your own children's book, Chris. What's it called and about? Okay, it's called Lucy, Dr. Smack and the Beast of Antioch. Mm, nice. And originally I was going to do it as a film. Um, it's about a 12-year-old girl whose mother has disappeared and she goes on this sort of magical quest to find what happened to her mother. And on the way she's helped by this very eccentric doctor called Dr. Smack, who she thought was an imaginary character, but it turns out yep. he's, he's real. Mm. So I started writing as a, um, a film script, but then I realised it would cost too much money to make. It sounds very exciting. Did you have any inspiration that made you write this book? Um, a friend of mine said that he told his children when they were really young that if they didn't behave themselves... He would call Dr. Smack <laughs> and he would come around and give them a... He didn't smack them and, and not, he never rang Dr. Smack, but the, 
thought of Dr. Smack coming coming around um, made them behave themselves. And when he told me that story, I thought it'd be a fabulous character. Yeah. <laughs> um, especially if he turns out to be real. The book sounds incredible. Was it as hard as you thought to write the book? It took me a long time, um, but I really enjoyed it. I think if um, if you're enjoying it, then it's um, yes, it takes a long time. Writing a book's like running a marathon. Making a film is like running a you know um, uh, fifteen hundred meters or something like that. So yeah. it's a long process. And you've just got to keep at it. But if you're really enjoying doing it, it's um, it's really satisfying. And did you always want to publish a book or was it just a thought that you wanted to do? Oh, no, I think it was... I've, I've always been interested in making films. It was just that this particular story I thought was really good. Um, and, yeah, I couldn't really do it as a film. Maybe one day it gets made as a film, but at the moment I'm just happy that it's a, a story that I wrote. It actually took me 10 years to write. Wow. But you're not doing it every day, you know, yeah. eight hours a day. It's not like going to school all the time or whatever. You're doing it just when you feel like doing it. It's like a hobby. Yeah. So final question. If you were to go back to year nine at Scotch, knowing what you know now... <laughs> What advice would you give to yourself for the years to come? All right. I would say um, don't barrack for St Kilda. (laughs) (laughs) Barrack for someone who's actually going to win a premiership. Um, No, the advice I'd give myself is that that you shouldn't be in such a hurry that, um, you know, it takes a long time to make a film, it takes a long time to write a novel. But you've got time. You've got if you look after yourself and um, you do the right thing. Um, and it's good to have a um, different um, abilities. Like I did psychology, but then I did films. Now I'm teaching, so you're never quite sure what you're going to end up doing. Yeah. So it's good to, good to have dreams, but sometimes those dreams actually change and. Um, other people change them for you rather than... Um, so you could be obsessed about following your own dream, say, mm. to be a you know famous footballer, but um, you might find you're better at something else. Yeah, it's a very good point. Um, did you have any particular favourite moment at Scotch which you just recall sometimes? <laughs> Yes, I think playing for the first eighteen, um, we won the premiership. Did you? I was on. Wow. I, I was in the back pocket, <laughs> and the ball spent most of its time on the forward line. So I watched my friends kicking lots of goals, and and we were undefeated, and we were a really good side, um, and it was fabulous being part of that. Uh, yeah. And some of those some of those players ended up playing. Um, for Melbourne, for St Kilda, wow. uh, and for Haw- and for Hawthorne. So three of that team actually um, had really good careers playing AFL. But uh, I just loved playing it each week and um, basically thrashing the opposition. <laughs> <laughs> so it was great. My 
final year at Scotch playing for both the first 11 and the first 18. It's it's something I remember fondly most of the time, actually. <laughs> and good luck to the Sainters this year when the season commences. They've got a good team, so I'm very excited. Well, thank you, Luca, and they're really good questions, so well done. Prepare to learn some magic, because in this how-to timeout, I'll be teaching you my favourite card trick that'll impress all your friends. All you need is a pack of cards, some space, and five minutes. If you are unable to do the trick right now, listen on and try to remember as much as possible. You can always come back and do the trick when you have a bit of spare time. At any point, it is okay to pause the video and rewind. I will give you a chance to pause and I will also run through the trick really slowly. So let's get cracking. For the sake of this demonstration, I'm going to use my trusty friend Gavin to help me out. So to start off the trick, you want to get 21 of the cards out of the pack. You only want 21 cards or else the trick won't work. Once you've got the 21 cards, you want to fan out the cards in your hand so Gavin can pick what card he wants. You'll then take one of the cards out of your hand and look at it. But since we want to know what his card is so we can do the trick effectively, you want to have a little look at his card. Once you can remember what it is, Gavin will then put back his card anywhere in the fan of cards you're holding. Now that the card's back in, you want to shuffle it as much as you can. Just so Gavin knows that we don't know where the card is. Maybe even let him shuffle the cards a bit. So once the cards are shuffled and he knows his card inside here, you want to start placing the cards in three separate piles from left to right. So you'll start by folding the cards over the top in three piles so they're all face up. And you want to ask Gavin to watch his card so he can tell you at the end which pile is in. So you'll then go through all the cards and place them down. And once you've done that, you'll then ask Gavin, which pile was your card in? And obviously you know which pile the card is in because you saw it at the start. But Gavin might say, the right pile. And you'll be like, okay. But this is where the trick happens. This is what you have to remember. Whichever pile Gavin points at, you must put that in the middle of the other two piles, sandwiched in the middle. So if he points at the right pile, you then get one of the other piles and put that right pile on top of that and then the other pile on top of that. So that pile has to be in the middle. And once that's done, that's the first round of placing down. And you don't want to shuffle those cards again. You want to then go straight back into placing them into the three piles, face up. Ask Gavin to obviously look where his card's going. So you want to get through those cards, face up, left to right. 
You should always have three piles of seven at the end of placing them. Now, this is one of my favorite parts of the trick, the acting. So you'll ask Gavin, which pile is your card in? And he might say the middle pile. And you can say, what? I thought it was in the left pile. Are you sure it's in the middle pile? And he'll be like, yes. And just to create a bit of confusion for the other person, as if you don't know which pile the card's in, which you don't, but you will at the end. You'll then take the middle pile and place it in the middle of the other two. Still sandwiched. That's a must on all the turns. So now we're going for a third time. You place them all out, three different piles, and watch his card. Alright, so now we've got another three piles. And just to create a bit more of an atmosphere, you want to say, alright, I'm going to guess which pile your card's in. Is it in the right pile? And this, this bit of acting can sometimes work and it sometimes cannot. Because if you're unlucky and it is his pile, then it act, it's like you've already known what his card is. But if you get it wrong, it makes him feel better, but you deep down know you will get the card right. So whichever one he points out again, if he says, no, that's not right, it's the left one, you'll then take the other pile and place that left one in the middle of those. All right, this is where you reveal their card. Say to them, I'm gonna let the cards speak for themselves and I'll try and find your card, I'll feel the card. So you'll start placing them out face up in the same piles, but slowly, acting as if you're trying to find their card, feel the card. All right. Now we're getting to the ninth card. You want to be a little cautious about the ninth. You want to place out the tenth really close and then always on the eleventh, if the trick has gone perfectly, is their card. And then you go, is that your card? And then they'll be like, what? How'd you do that? That's amazing. And that is how you impress everyone with this simple, easy trick. It's easy to learn, it's easy to teach someone else. Just go over the fundamentals. Always remember to do some acting. Always put the pile with the card he points at in the middle of the other two. The 11th card on the fourth time making the piles is always his card and you must use 21 cards to do this trick right. Do you ever wonder what other people are doing in quarantine? Now, in this interview of Friend Timeout, I talked with two Year 9 Scotch students about ISO Life. So, without further ado, our first mystery guest. He loves to sit in the front seat. He's an absolute beast at AFL. He secretly enjoys annoying people and is a genius at public speaking. Please give a huge welcome to the man, the myth, the legend, Louis Cox. If you had to compare how much exercise and sport you were doing from before isolation to now, 
What would be the difference? Well, the thing is, before isolation, I had lots of footy. I had footy five times a week. So I, I'm not really doing that anymore. But if you look to going to the park more, I've definitely done that a lot more. And I've actually started running a bit more and um, going to the park most days and just having a kick of the footy, playing a bit of NFL or just getting active. But I'm still missing out on a bit with the footy. Yeah, fair enough, Louis. That's happening with everyone. Um, next question. Where were you at any point excited about having homeschooling and then completely disappointed? Well, so as soon as school got cancelled, I was really excited. I Like, I was pumped, really, because, like, you know, it's good to just get away from it. But, like, but I think most people realise, even though everyone wanted it cancelled, that, like, it gets pretty boring pretty quickly. So, um... You know, I think a few days of online school and I got a bit sick of it because it's just a bit more hard. Not hard, but more tiring, I feel. What has been your favourite moment of quarantine? My favourite moment of quarantine, well, I've loved doing just like... We do like Zoom chats with our family. We've done about three of them. Those are always fun to do with our grandparents, cousins and stuff. So that's probably my favourite. But I do like playing on the Xbox a bit and stuff. Louis Cox, thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to be here on Time Out with Vanda. We are having our second special guest coming right now. Let's introduce him. He's new to Scotch College, he's 15 years old, likes to watch anime, read manga, play PUBG and ride bikes. Please give a big welcome to... The one, the only, Jack Zhu. Welcome to Time Out with Vander Jack. Were you at any point excited about having homeschooling and then completely disappointed? No, I'm quite okay with homeschooling because you get to stay at home and um, you have a lot of spare time and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Jack, what has been your daily diet through quarantine? Well, the thing is here, because we're not, I'm not doing much exercise and I'm not eating very regularly during the three, like um, in my three meals, and um, uh, I'm quite finding a bit problem. I'm not eating really like regularly as like in schedule time. What is something you would have never done but you did in quarantine? I wouldn't have much time to play like um play as much games as before the quarantine. Yeah, and um, haven't that much time to watch a Netflix show or what. Which Netflix shows have you been watching? Any recommendations? I've been watching uh, Stranger Things and uh, Star Trek. Very nice. And last question. If you could be stuck in quarantine with any four people in the whole entire world, who would they be and why? I'll be stuck with my family, that's the thing. Yeah. Well, that's all the time we have for this interview, Jack. Thank you very much for giving us a scoop of your quarantine life. Get your thinking cap on, because in this fitness timeout, I share with you the top 10 brain foods to keep your brain healthy and working efficiently, and a simple activity to train your brain to never forget anyone's name. Let's get started with the 10 super brain foods. Each brain food item is equally as good as the other in importance to your body and brain. First off, this food goes well on toast and in salads. 
It's also very helpful in protecting your brain. You guessed it, it's avocado. Next, these are called brain berries. They pack a punch and contain antioxidants. They taste great fresh, frozen or blended. Blueberries are the perfect brain food. Your parents were right. Eat that broccoli because it makes you big, strong and is so good for you. Broccoli is great fresh or cooked with other veggies. This next food can soothe your skin and be great for your brain. It can come in liquid form or solid. Coconut oil is a must try for your diet. This has got to be everyone's favourite for brekkie with a side of bacon. It can be boiled, poached or scrambled and is great for the body since it contains omega-3, vitamin E and something you may not have known and want to search up called choline. It's spelled C-H-O-L-I-N-E. From our beloved chicken friends, eggs. This can be used as an alternative for olive oil and is becoming more popular in cooking and a major ingredient in most vegan treats. It's coconut oil. This food would have to be most kids' worst enemy. Green leafy vegetables. Eating it was like eating chalk when you were younger, but now it is the food of champions. And if you want to have a healthy body, you must eat your greens. The next food contains omega-3 and is great in protecting your brain. It is a delicacy from down under the sea and goes perfectly with a squeeze of lemon. If you love wild salmon, or if you're not a fan, Try and get it in your diet because it's really good for you. Moving on. It looks unusual and is close friends with ginger. It's from the spice family and goes well with most vegetables. You'll be wondering, why is turmeric so good for you? Well, it lowers inflammation and stress in your body and brain. This one looks like your brain. Can you guess what it is? As a hint, they are a tasty snack and you can eat them raw. It's a walnut. I've definitely saved the best for last. It tastes amazing in cakes, hot drinks and in ice cream. This is also a favourite in my household and soon to be yours. Dark chocolate is really good for your mood, focus and it energises you. Don't think this applies to old chocolates. It must be dark and should not be eaten constantly. Only a nice little treat once in a while. If you are able to have one or more of these every day, you will feel the benefits in your mood, body and mind. The simple choices you make now support you in the long term. Have you ever been introduced to someone and seconds later you have forgotten their name? Or felt embarrassed when someone else remembers your name but you can't remember theirs? Remembering someone's name will make a huge difference in all parts of your life, ranging from making new friends to trying to impress your new boss. First of all, believe you can remember their name. Eliminate any negative self-talk that you have around your ability to remember names and replace it with something more empowering such as I've got this, 
my memory's good, or I can remember names. Secondly, you need to use their name to ensure you remember it. Once you've heard them introduce themselves, respond with a statement that includes their name. The idea here is to repeat the name out loud before you forget it, because you only have six seconds to remember someone's name before you forget it. You'll also hear the name twice, once when they say it, and again when you repeat it. You might want to say, Hey Ted, it's nice to meet you, or it's nice to meet you Ted. It has to sound natural, so you don't overuse their name, and only use their name when it's necessary. You don't want to have a 20 minute conversation and then say goodbye Ed. Run. You'd rather get corrected at the start when meeting the person instead of saying goodbye with the wrong name. The best bit about this strategy is if you walk into a room with 20 strangers and leave saying goodbye to all of them by name, who are they all going to remember? You. And they won't forget your name. The third strategy is to ask about their name because interest in their name is the sweetest sound to their ears. If a name is unusual, you could learn a bit about them just by their name. You can ask, how do you spell it? Where is it from? Who are you named after? Does it mean something in a different language? You can ask all these probing questions and remember, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Think about the emotion connected to someone's name. It's probably one of the first things they write down and how much encouragement and love you are given when you wrote down your name. And finally, my last bit of advice, visualize. Everyone is much better at recognizing someone else's face rather than their name. Think of all the times you remember what someone looks like, but you can't remember their name. A simple strategy to help you out is to turn their name into a picture because we remember what we see. For example, if a person is called Mike and they introduce themselves to you, what image could you relate to his name? Well, he could be singing on a mic. And when you see him next time or saying goodbye to him, you can remember the image of him holding the mic. This is only in the privacy of you, and it's best not to tell anyone your thoughts. You can use this strategy on all different names. So be creative, because the more unusual the name, the more likely you are to remember it. Try eating some new brain foods, and when you meet someone for the first time, don't be afraid to use those strategies. Since you've stuck with me this far, I think it's only fair that I give you a special bonus timeout. I'll be sharing with you my top three tips on how to make money around the house. If you ever in need of some quick moolah, then this is the way to go. Tip number one. Loose coins are everywhere. It's just you don't know it yet. Give your house, your bedroom, your parents' car, your bag you took to school, a good old clean, and you will always find loose change in it. Any coin is money. So if you're looking for some little $2 coins, little $1 coins, then this is the place to start. Tip number two. Look through your room and find anything you haven't touched or used in a long time. 
because there is someone in this world who is looking to buy something that you may have or not want. Put anything you don't want or need on Gumtree or eBay. Ask your family for any of their stuff because the more the better. It may be a work in progress, but eventually the old things you never looked at or used turn into sweet, sweet money. How good is that? Tip number three. Offer to do something you wouldn't normally do around the house or for your neighbours. For example, offer to clean both your parents' cars for $10 and wash their cars for an extra $10. That's already an easy $20 just for hopping off the screens and doing a bit of extra work. You could also offer the neighbour down the road $10 a week to walk their dog every day. That's benefiting your fitness and your wallet. Double bonus. I say that's pretty genius. I did say I'd only give you three tips, but I couldn't resist giving you this bonus tip. This is definitely one for a laugh. Better friend or family member to eat a dry wheat bix in any time under five minutes. They are not allowed to take a drink of anything while doing the challenge. Bet them however much money you want, And I guarantee you, almost 99.9% of the time, they won't succeed and you'll have a great laugh and some easy money. The other person may be committed and win the bet, which is okay, but it's worth the risk and enjoyment. You must remember to remind them to drink a big thing of water afterwards. Make sure they don't choke on the wheat bix either, because it's quite hard to swallow. There you have it. Those are some of my easy tips on when you want to make, find, or earn some easy money. In my next episode of Time Out with Vanda, I'll be teaching you how to make your own DIY veggie patch, an exclusive interview with a famous artist, and my top five card and board games that you want to play. Well, that's a wrap in this episode on Time Out with Vanda. I hope you could have benefited from a little card trick, a great perspective of isolation from three different people, a new documentary series, and how to keep your brain in ship-shape condition. Thank you for tuning in. You make these episodes possible. Don't forget to favourite this podcast so you can access this episode and more to come much easier right here on Anchor. And give the follow button some love on Spotify. Share this episode of Time Out with Vanda via the link button to help get your family and friends through their ISO boredom. I'd love to hear any advice, so don't be afraid to hit the voice message button and send in some feedback. You've been listening to Luca Vandersloos on Time Out with Vanda. And until next time, Vanda out.